0: Hi, everybody! Welcome to the Human Element Kara's Podcast on Modern Marketing. This is Episode Three of our series on race and equality in our industry. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Nandi Welch, head of new biz- or head of business strategy at Rupture Studio. I just gave you a new title there, new business. Uh, yeah, was it a promotion? Yeah. Well, I don't know. New business is rough. <laughs> I don't know if you want that. Uh, and Ed Cotton, creative strategist and consultant, and former chief strategy officer at BSSP. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So. We are going to jump into this discussion we launched two weeks ago around race and equality in our industry. And what I'd like to do today, we're going to set a baseline early, but then I want us to talk about how we make progress and, and what we think the best ways for the industry to finally you know, make the progress that, that has frankly eluded us across the industry to this point. Before we do that, however, I would love to just get a little bit of background on your current role and sort of how you came into that role. It's always great to hear people's stories. If I could get a little bit of that, Nandi, do you mind starting?
1: No, not at all. You know, I think I came into my role, I think it's safe to say, through marriage. I had a long-standing career on the client side in marketing, brand management, Specifically within the beauty industry for about 13 years, maybe somewhere around the halfway mark, I met my now husband and I realized that our pillow talk somehow turned into a really long recruitment session where he (laughs) very slowly, (laughs) you know, introduced the seed of the idea of addressing business problems, but doing it kind of as an outsider. Mm -hmm. And for some of the reasons that I think we'll probably talk about today as the years went on, and I kind of hit that frustration and isolation that I think a lot of Black professionals experienced working for a brand, I indeed saw that it would be easier to be more productive and be more effective as an outsider, where people pay me to be honest, so that's what I do now. Working for Rupture Studio as head of business
0: strategy. I think that's a, a very compelling and interesting story. I had you called me a while ago. I could have cautioned you against the perils of of being recruited into the agency <laughs> side, but now that you're among us, welcome. Thank you, <laughs> Ed. Just a little bit from your perspective on you know how you sort of move through the industry.
2: I started my career at McCann Erickson, big agency, working in London and across Europe. Got recruited to go to their Seattle office and then went to a small shop called BSSP, which was about 25 people at the time. When I joined, over time, we grew it to about 200 ad weeks, small agency of the decade. Worked on a diverse portfolio of clients from Apple to Converse, Nike, and A decade working on the mini brand. And a year and a half ago, I left, set up my own thing, working with a range of different clients, some clients directly, and a number of different agencies, helping on all kinds of things from training to pitching.
0: Well, welcome both of you. Thanks so much. We were keen after two episodes of sort of an internal discussion around these issues to get some external voices. So we really appreciate you joining us to do that. I guess, Nandi, I'd like to start with you. Mm -hmm. What have the past few weeks been like professionally?
1: Well, professionally, good. So we're starting with the, the bright side. Professionally, you know, Chuck had this joke that I think is so spot on where he said, oh, you know, this must be what it feels like to have blonde hair and blue eyes. Because all of a sudden it feels like, We have everybody's attention, everybody's interested. You know, it's just a whole different level of interest and and care that is there, even though the work that we do has not changed over the the past few weeks. It's the exact same services that we were offering before. But all of a sudden, people want to know more. So professionally, in that aspect, like you said in the beginning, new business is tough. Getting our foot in the door to have those first conversations has been a lot easier. But I will add that even as we're, you know, our phones are ringing off the hook, we do see it takes quite a bit of work to understand whether or not we're just talking to an isolated, sympathetic ear within an organization, or is there really a dedication to work to make things different?
0: Right. What well, is it a real opportunity or is this have a conciliatory yeah. or performative element?
1: It does at times, at yeah. times, it can feel like, you know, if it's a <laughs> what can I call it? like a white ally, a white person in the organization, it can drift into a space where it feels like they want recognition or, you know, like yeah. a Scooby snack for <laughs> the fact that they feel guilty.
0: Yeah. So, Ed, you wrote a blog post several weeks ago, I would say, you know, very early on, comparatively speaking, sort of sharing your perspective on this moment. Would you mind sort of giving a little bit on what the intent and observation of that blog post was?
2: It's really Nandy's husband, Chuck. It's a friend of mine. We worked together for a number of years. You know, we had some conversations and I felt that I needed to put something out there. I could kind of feel... That something was happening and I just wanted to be a voice out there. I'm a strategist and I believe that curiosity, empathy and understanding are key. If you don't get the world and you're not empathetic with the world as a strategist, I'm not sure you're going to be very successful. I also live in Brooklyn. I'm sort of around the protest movement here and as a part-time photographer, I've been covering it. So I've been pretty up close and personal to the events of the last few weeks. There's a number of factors that have forced my hand and made me more conscious of the situation and made me more determined to do something about it and also learn. One,
1: one thing—it's—it's it's not about the question. It's just a, a a personal thing. I have the kind of name where I realize I need to tell people what it is about ten times before it sinks in, and I, I think I've only personally told you my name once or twice. But it's Nandi kind of like usually when I tell people it's like Gandhi that helps unless they're one of those people that says Gandhi. (laughs) Then then it makes it much, much worse. Yes, but I don't
0: normally pronounce Gandhi Gandhi, uh, but now it's in my head. So I'm terrified.
1: (laughs) I ruined it. I need I need a new mnemonic device. But yeah, it's Nandi.
0: (laughs) Um. So let's, let's cover this briefly and then try to sort of advance forward. Look, it doesn't take much to look at the industry. And by industry, I include, you know, advertising, media, many, many client organizations have failed to expand black representation, especially at leadership roles. I guess my question is, what have been the barriers that have prevented that from happening?
1: well it's i feel as though part of the answer is in the question i think lots of organizations have s- expressed some kind of intent to increase diversity as as it relates to having more more black people but they don't do it in leadership positions and that's why it doesn't really stick we see time and time again that there are oodles of programs to bring black folks in at entry level positions and We don't tend to stay that long because it is very awkward in that, you know, you you just are the recipient of both in what you get and what you don't get, that you are the recipient of lots of insensitivities, what we call microaggressions, people doing things to you that they just would not do to one another. And then there's also the absence of, you know, somebody kind of selecting you as that junior person who they're going to mold and make sure, you know, is developed appropriately. So you're receiving a lot of negative, you know, and you're constantly uncomfortable, constantly having to give yourself pep talks to get through the day. And you're not really seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and that you don't see anybody like you at the top and nobody is waking up making it their business to make sure that things go differently for you. So you leave and then the company starts over with a new junior associate.
0: I think that's such a good analysis of what I personally have seen many, many times in my career. Ed, do you you have any additional thoughts you want to add to the sort of barriers on what has kept us in this position as an industry?
2: I think it's pretty simple. Token gestures that are kind of set up to f- create fake accountability. So people can sort of look at numbers and point to things that they're doing in initiatives and tick boxes. And those boxes have been fairly standard. But there are no penalties on lack of progress. No one at the top takes a hit because they aren't hitting the numbers and they aren't showing signs of progress. So there's a lack of accountability. I even did a panel a week ago where we had a pretty prominent African American CMO who owned up himself and said look I'm not holding my agency fully accountable to the diversity goals that I set them and they keep saying well, we'll get there next month and next month rolls along and they haven't been hit but there's no penalty
0: it's funny I've I've heard over the past you know 72 to 48 hours talk of, you know, are we at a point where a client is going to have to leave an agency over this issue? And I suspect that that might be the case. I mean, our, our industry tends to be, rightfully so, extremely sensitive to client perspectives and client movements, and maybe that's something that that is necessary at this point. Because again, as you mentioned, there are a number of clients that are operating with some structures and requirements, at least around representation in their businesses it's not like there aren't clients putting that into some of their commercial relationships. Nadia, I want to ask you first, do you think this moment is different? And if you do, why?
1: It definitely feels different. I mean the the outcry is is louder and bigger because more people who aren't black are speaking up. Within the black community, no, it doesn't really feel different, because this has been a constant, constant topic. I mean, if you're having brunch with your friends on the weekends, it comes up. When somebody asks you how your work day was, it comes up, or how'd that project go, or how's your job going? It's it's always, always been there specific to work and then just general, you know, state of the world conversations. But what is different is, you know, events like those that have sparked all the recent protests, have happened before, certainly with videotape, you know, in the headlines, but I have never really heard my non-Black friends or colleagues say a word, not one word. It's literally like nothing happened. I mean, if there's something in the news where, God forbid, an animal was hurt or harmed or threatened, I would hear about that at work for sure. But a Black man or a Black woman killed in the streets, nothing. So people are definitely reaching out with care and concern. So that feels different. But I think in in order to keep that difference going, I think those people, those immediate white allies, have to now convince the next rung because there's still a bunch of people who don't care.
0: Ed, anything from your perspective you'd add to that in terms of, you know, Do you think this moment is different? And, and
2: if you do, why? I think you have to look at each action that's being taken as a sign of progress. The New York police reforms that have been put in, announced on Friday, are, I think, a significant move. Maybe not enough in some people's eyes. There's 15 mayors across the country that have signed up to Obama's 2021 plan for policing Pepsi CEO, I think, made a very clear statement about their intention, which does include looking very closely at agencies in terms of how how they're performing and what the teams comprise of. But the statements about accelerating careers of black professionals and actually setting goals for management positions by 2030, I think, is probably one of the boldest statements I've seen so far. So... Yes, it is a moment, an important one, and we are seeing signs of progress. Whether those can be maintained to actually translate into a movement remains to be seen.
0: So how would we frame sort of the immediate steps that that we should be looking for? Obviously, Ed, you just outlined a couple as it relates to Pepsi. And what are those immediate steps that we would identify and actually, you know, connect to as concrete progress. Nandi, do you have some thoughts on, on what a few of those might be?
1: Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with what Ed touched on before about accountability and consequences when, when goals aren't met. And I also think there needs to be an elevation of the issue in that the chief diversity officer or the chief DNI, and d whatever it's called at the organization, should report directly to the CEO. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how an organization keeps this as a priority if that role either doesn't exist or is buried underneath layers where you have to get through somebody who has a larger responsibility like head of HR or head of communications in order to really get it on the leader's dashboard.
0: Yeah, I I think that's right.
1: Maybe it goes without saying, but that person needs to be a Black person. I mean, in a lot of organizations, this ultimately... This topic ultimately goes through a white man or a white woman who's then trying to work it into an agenda that, you know, covers their entire role and responsibilities in order for it to come up. That just doesn't seem realistic. I think we need black people in leadership roles. The head of diversity needs to report directly to the CEO and there needs to be measurable accountability with
2: consequences. I I couldn't agree more. I would be interested to see if anyone is bold enough and brave enough to hire a black executive from another business into the advertising business Mm. as in a leadership role. There's a big excuse in agencies just they can't find black talent. And I talked to an agency last week and I was really impressed. They spent two years teaching at a black college. The African-American population in the area of country they're in isn't that large but they spent two years teaching and eventually they found through that, I mean, they built relationships and they brought in a couple of recruits, but that's hard work on the ground. And I'm not sure everyone's prepared to do that. And that may be part of the problem.
0: The idea of expanding beyond the industry, I think is a really interesting point. I mean, I think to be successful, particularly an executive level here in the interim, that's going to have to happen. I mean, I don't necessarily know that the industry itself has enough candidates to, to make the move that's required without doing that. I think that's really important.
1: That type of move seems like it's completely in keeping with the promise that agencies and consultancies are making and that you're supposed to be creative problem solvers. I don't know how you can espouse to do that for a client if you are only willing to take, you know, the the easiest road to solve your own problems. It's like, do it. I mean, that that's what You do, right? Like you creatively take another way to solve an issue.
0: Nani, I think it connects to something that's been happening in marketing for a long time as a discipline. Mm -hmm. And that is marketing has to become a much more horizontally connected enterprise in organizations that impacts the real business operation of those organizations. And so for me, it's in keeping with the expansion of marketing from sort of this island, you know, marketing communications island that sits off in the corner to something that's a much more horizontally connected thing across a particular business. Those kinds of moves reflect that level of importance to the discipline itself, in my opinion.
1: Having worked in in marketing at a few different organizations, including several since at L'Oreal and Revlon. Organizations big and small. And I can say marketing or brand management in general is, I think, a lot more focused on numbers than people think. When you say marketing, people, you know, people not in the industry tend to think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a sexy role and it's all about, you know, people and photo shoots. And I think they get it confused with PR. But as a marketer, we spent all day long in Excel. And There's so much to do there with the numbers and ensuring that your business is running that it really does not leave a lot of time for curiosity, even about the audiences that you serve. So the idea even of delving into that and your organization mirroring the audience that you're serving, I mean, that just feels like pure luxury. It's really... A lot of work getting involved in crises around supply chain and cross-functional issues. And I think part of that issue is that marketing teams are way too slim. They are so understaffed. I think of organizations were willing to invest more in their marketing teams and that left room for people to be more curious and do real work to get to know their audience, there would have to be a correlation with how you mirror that audience inside.
0: Yeah, more connected to the audience itself. Yeah, going back yeah. to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's that's something that you know has has been a struggle. It's funny. I've i worked in client organizations myself, and one of the things mm-hmm. you know when I do these talks to to younger folks, both client side and agency side, you know what I try to tell them is you know if they're agency folks you know, the percentage of time that your client is actually spending on agency-oriented stuff in a day is about, <laughs> you know, 15, 12 or 15%. So, yeah. you know, don't arrive thinking they've been thinking about you all day because they haven't.
1: <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> That's why they want to hear what you came up
0: with. That's right. That's why they need to hear what you come up with. <laughs> so, you know, Nadia, when we did our pre-call, I thought you said something that was, I think, spot on. And it was this idea that you know, you worry a little bit about the uniqueness of this moment, i.e. the pandemic making us all stay at home and sort of consider a bunch of things maybe in ways that we haven't and yeah. so few sort of distractions in the world, be it sports or or what have you, that that has given this issue in the past three weeks space to really gain awareness in a way that's different. You know, again, videotape you know, horrors of, of these kinds of events, such as the the murder of George Floyd, this is not a, a new phenomenon. And so it's really been the breathing space that has allowed this to come to the fore. And you were expressing some concern around what happens as that attention shifts? Uh, how do we maintain this momentum? Right? And so I guess that's my question is how do we maintain this momentum?
1: That kind of is the question of the hour because you're absolutely right. I mean, we're all literally on the edge of our seats waiting for each little bit of our previous lives to, to come back. And I think that would universally be seen as a good thing, but then what does that mean for all this hard work that's going to take so much dedication and commitment for, for me as a, as a black person, I feel like the care and concern is constant. So I'm curious to hear what non-Black people think and have to say about what's going to be different for you once all those things that distracted you before
0: come back. Nandi, that is a fantastic segue. Ed? (laughs) You're on. (laughs) You know, when you have discussions with clients, what are the things you're thinking about in terms of trying to maintain the focus of the moment?
2: A lot of the people I'm speaking to, This is front and center of what they're thinking about. And Mm. it is a a lot of white people in agencies. The magic wand won't be waved and things won't be changed overnight. It will take some time, which is not an excuse. It's just a reality that agencies move pretty slowly. I think we have to acknowledge that this is the toughest time for ad agencies in agency history. Mm. So we're demanding a change at a really critical junction for the agency business, I think people's hearts are in the right place. I think the people I've spoken to want to do the right thing and trying their hardest. But I think the backdrop is the reality that the industry is facing.
0: Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. You know, it's interesting to hear you bring up this commercial moment for agencies. And again, I don't just mean the pandemic, which is obviously you know extremely difficult. But but we've been on a commercial path here across the industry that is degrading and declining in a lot of ways. But that is a, a massive factor around which really we have to finally confront both of these things at the same time. And I think some people, the optimists among us, are hopeful that there's a commercial impact that comes mm-hmm. with a greater focus on representation and diversity. And I think, you know, intellectually, you know, Nandi, as we've talked about, you know, around marketing departments, I think that feels true, but I don't know that anybody really knows what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But I, I also, you know, have been around holding companies and agencies long enough to know that commercial threats are existential threats. And, you know, that's one of the things I worry about in terms of overpowering or overshadowing this moment, you know, in the intermediate term, is you know agencies deciding that, that at this point in time, it's just too difficult to do because of the, the real commercial pressures that they feel.
1: I mean, I definitely think that the two are related. I think you have to make an appeal for the business case of why it makes sense. If the agency model is struggling, I would think you would want a good representation of people whose yep. reputation it is for figuring shit out, yep. for coming up with new stuff, for making the best with pain. I mean, that's kind of what what Black people are known for, but obviously there's also a discomfort with the entire pitch being about money because obviously money is also at the root of why the problem exists. So I I agree with what Ed was saying before about your, your heart has to be part of the conversation too, but fortunately in this case, I don't believe that the two are mutually
0: exclusive. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't have the quantitative proof yet, but I I don't either. I mean, again, it it just logically stands that better representation leads to the kinds of things that we have always sold, which is creativity and connection and thoughtfulness and empathy and the things that, you know, Ed so eloquently outlined earlier. Yes.
2: You know, the economic realities of what we're facing and the experience of what we've all been going through working from home, covid we are going to have some visionary agencies who come forward (laughs) and change the game. We are hearing people, I can hire someone from anywhere now. My agency might be based in New York, but I can hire someone from anywhere because it doesn't matter. Location doesn't matter. That's a big transformative step. What the actual agency building becomes and how it operates, I think will be fascinating. You're not going to go into the office unless that office offers something truly experiential and interesting. Yeah, you need to rebuild this business from the ground up. And if the COVID pandemic um, combined with the Black Lives Matter movement are the catalysts for a transformative change for the industry, bring it on. It needs it, but it's not on for anyone.
0: And again, this sounds like an old lament. The business had more elements of fun to it 25 years ago than it does now. And there's no doubt about that. And I'm not, you know, this is not nostalgia yearning for a, an older time. That's not my point. I think the point is there are things that have occurred around hyper-procurement, the constructive levels of complexity within both, you know, client and agency management combined that have really impacted, I think, the outcomes a lot and, and have not made it as in a lot of ways, as creative a business as it needs to be, especially when you line it up against the amazing possibility of what technology has done to the business, right? So we we sit among alongside this remarkable opportunity and technology to deliver experiences that are really compelling and impactful to audiences, and yet we put a lot of structure around them in, again, a combined client and agency construct that inhibits that capability and that possibility. Uh, Not that I have opinions on this, Ed, sorry. So when you have finally kind of turned off Zoom and email and had a moment the past few weeks to kind of sit and reflect at night, what have your thoughts and conversations been in sort of those more considered moments?
1: You know, we, we opened
0: up talking about what have the past weeks
1: been for you professionally. And I think personally, the thing is that now it's it's constant, that there is no turning off the Zoom or, or the computer and then switching into a different mode, maybe the way that it used to be. I find that the conversations and the, the updates is a nonstop ticker. And part of that is because, you know, the phone is ringing off the hook and people are reaching out all hours, which I wouldn't want to be any different, but I will say the sum total of it is that it is exhausting. And this is what I hear from Black professionals across industries. There's like a certain state of exhaustion now that the things that we kind of used to be able to compartmentalize are just nonstop. And there's a nonstop responsibility to white friends and white people who you know, which have nothing to do with your paycheck, having those conversations during off hours. So it's a lot. I would say it's very heavy and it's a lot. And then you kind of periodically are able to switch it up if you're also a parent, because you don't want to bring that into that space.
0: As a parent, what have those conversations been like?
1: <laughs> Our children are six and eight. So okay. they're just kind of beginning to understand. They see the all the protests going on around, around town. And you know, you're just trying to get into that that balance of where you're explaining what's going on, but absence of any of the the violent details. So it's hard to be, but so honest. Mm -hmm. But as parents, I know like we all kind of practice that skill of like teaching without the scary parts, but (laughs) this is is intensely that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Last question. And again, I can't thank you both enough, Nandi and Ed, for joining us. You've both been fantastic. Same question for both of you. What gives you the most reason for hope right now?
2: You look every day, you search for signs of progress. The ball is rolling, there's momentum. That's where the hope comes from. Yeah.
0: Nandi, your perspective?
1: Signs of hope, you know, seeing the policy changes and the the focus on laws at the state and local level is, is very promising. And then on a more personal note, a lot of it kind of takes me back to the time of my, of my grandparents and I see how much change happened in their life and I see a lot of parallels. And it's very clear how my life is so much better than theirs because of the work that that generation did. So I hope that my grandchildren feel the same when they look back on me.
0: Well, I can't think of a better place to leave it than there. Nandi, thank you so much. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Human Element. Next week, we'll continue our conversation on race and equality. Be safe, be well, be just. We'll be back out to you next week. Bye-bye.